Show number 20 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. So what is this, like show 20 million? I think so. Yeah, I 20 think 20 million so. or 20,000 or one of those 20s. Leagues under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the special BassCon edition of the show. Ooh, we're sitting in our hotel room, our fabulous plush hotel room. And we just got here. And got set up, had a couple of beers. So now you have to understand, getting set up for us <laughs> involves unpacking AV equipment and snacks and beers and just everything. And on the way here, as we were piling all this on the cart and negotiating the parking <laughs> lot with this wobbly cart, we decided that's our life support. <laughs> and if you know we're ever asked to beam aboard the Enterprise, and, and Kirk says, just do you require any special life support, yeah. we're going to be saying DVD, Indeed. VCR, a lot of videotapes, right. beer... Almonds, Snacks, popcorn, cookies, <laughs> cookies, iPods, iPods, speakers, yeah, and lots and lots of spare cables. That's yes. half my luggage is spare cables. <laughs> true. I was just throwing stuff in there today. But we made it. We're here. We're here. We're looking forward to doing a lot of exciting things. But we thought we'd get started with um, kick things off. To kick things off with an important news flash. <laughs> Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea. <laughs> news flash. George Takei is gay. He's he caught the gay. He caught the gay. He got the letter. <laughs> he got the toaster oven. Okay, so we did have people write. I love this. The people hear George Takei is gay, and they have to write to me about it. Of course, they have to tell us about it. Did you hear this? Of course, we heard it. Of course, it was all over. It was all over the place. So, um, first of all, mostly. First it, was, of all, it wasn't a newsflash to anybody, really. <laughs> and we want to offer George our congratulations yeah, on being gay. On being gay. Good for you. Good for you. Um, but we did get a couple of fun emails yeah. that we want to read. So why don't you kick it off with uh, with the one from John louis So this is from um, our good friend John louis who has written to us before, and we read some of his mail. Mm-hmm. And he says... Um, I was listening to your podcast, that was the last one, and realized you girls hadn't said anything about George Takei's recent coming out, because that show was recorded well before he actually made the famous announcement. The arch cynic in me wonders if George Takei, apparently unable to rip the limelight away from Shatner on film, even with a consummate display of whining, (laughs) is attempting to push Bill out of the spotlight in fandom. Will the admission of his true sexuality leave Sulu more open to being the protagonist in slashy fanfics? It seems a vain attempt, but George is pretty desperate for some of that Kirk light. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jean-Louis. That was very, very funny. Jean-Louis, I like the way you think. And although I hadn't taken it as far as he's trying to become the the (laughs) premier subject of Slash, I did think, my God, he will do anything to get some attention. (laughs) It's true. It's so true. So, um, I haven't read a lot of Sulu fanfic. He's usually paired with Chekhov, isn't he? In Slash? Yeah. Probably. Um, there's been a, a, a little flurry of, like, Sulu Rand. Really? Yeah. I've read some Sulu Uhura stuff. Yeah, there's been some of that, too. Yeah. But uh, he's never been paired, well, okay, I haven't read anything where he's been paired with Kirk or Spock. Um... Not to say he I doesn't exist. I don't believe I have either. Um, he's he's one of those sort of neglected characters, mm-hmm. and uh, 
one very excellent fic, and I wish I could remember the name of it, about Sulu was written by a writer named Rabble Rouser. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if you Google her, you can find her webpage. She's also got an excellent uh, set of recs, recommendations mm-hmm. for other fanfic on her webpage. But she wrote a really good story about him that, that actually got into his character. It was very interesting. And it had nothing to do with him being gay, but it was a Sulu <laughs> story. There, I'm trying to think. There have been some good... Uh there have been some good Sulu stories. Of course, I can't remember any of them right now. I'll have to go look through the links and, and dig them up. Um, Sulu was in um, Party Pooper and Junk Story, right? Yes. Yeah, he was pretty good in that one. Yes, and he's featured in, in many stories, yeah. you know, but um, as far as a, a story in which he's one of the lead characters, yeah. there aren't as many of those. Mm-hmm. And I always, my personal feeling was that character was rather empty. There wasn't yeah. a lot to, to hang on to there. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Maybe now he will become more prominent. That would be an interesting Maybe thing. we will see stories about Sulu coming out to the rest of the crew. Although I'd like to think in the 23rd century, it's like, who cares? Who cares, really? Coming out. What the hell is that? It should be that way now, yes. of course. <laughs> I want to read an email that I got not addressed to the show, but this came from a friend of mine who knows that I'm into Trek. And, and uh, <laughs> it's just kind of funny. And he also has a couple of fun ideas. Um, the subject matter of this email is Sulu Lulu. (laughs) And then he writes, Okay, bad pun. But we all knew this, right? In the past, when I have said Sulu, I mean George Takei, is gay, and some of you have said, Grumble, you think everyone is gay. Now you can eat shit! (laughs) But could the picture be any more faggy? And he enclosed a picture, which we will put up a link to. By the way, this is a friend of mine who is gay, who is saying this. So it's okay for him to say that. And and also, you know, he's got some validation to have the gaydar going. Uh But he also adds, does this mean Uhura is a big old drag queen? (laughs) She should come out as one. A bio-accurate, or whatever the term is, woman trapped in a drag queen's wardrobe. (laughs) Really, she should. (laughs) I thought that was so funny, just the idea of of Uhura as a drag queen. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, I never thought of that before. Well, remember the big drag queen we saw playing Uhura in the Mud's Women thing? She was a big old drag queen. She She was easily 6'2", I think. (laughs) The wig made her more like (laughs) 7'8". But speaking of shows, we got to mention this before we forget. Oh yeah, Warp Speed coming up. Warp Speed in San Francisco, the uh, the the Trek Improv that we talked about before is going to be doing two shows. The weekend, I believe, of the 18th and 19th of November. Yes, and so if you're in the San Francisco area that weekend, or maybe it's the 19th, 20th. Anyway, we'll post a link. Yes. If you're in the San Francisco area and you are a Trekkie, you should go see this. It is so. Funny. It, it is freaking hilarious. We it, loved it. We loved it. We had a it. great time. It was really, really, really good. So there you go. George Takei is gay. Yep. Well, good for you, George. And yeah. maybe, you know, this will take some of the, the pressure off him. I mean, I think the man had a lot of pent-up anger over many things. <laughs> and none of it's Shatner's fault, but apparently in his mind it is. So maybe now this is enough of a release that, you know, he, he can... Uh, Deal on, dwell on some of the other things that made his career not what he wanted, <laughs> other than Bill Shatner. You know, I keep saying this that George Takei's best work has been as a character voice actor on The Simpsons. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> for me, that was the best thing he ever did. He should just keep doing voices. And hey, and I got to say, that. thank God for The Simpsons because I was traveling last week and I was on JetBlue with the TVs. <laughs> And at first I was like, oh, cool, TV on an airplane. And then it's just like TV at home. There's nothing fucking on. (laughs) So for four hours.
hours. I'm flying coast to coast. I'm clicking through the channels going, there is nothing, there's nothing. And finally, two episodes of The Simpsons came on. I almost wept. I was so glad. So thank you, Simpsons. You saved me. Thank you, Simpsons. We love The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Um, okay. So moving on to our next topic, um, and uh, we will put in a link to this. I guess you found this on the Trek PBS, or did yes. somebody bring it to your No, I found that. So this revolves around um, Gary Mitchell, one of our most favorite characters. Yes, indeed. And somebody posted on the Trek BBS, um, as people will often do, just funny things that they notice about episodes because you've seen them a bazillion times. And um, the original poster said, when Mitch, so this is in the first episode, um, the pilot. When Mitchell tries to get through the field, the force field, in Where No Man Has Gone Before, he acts like the field is holding him back like a physical barrier, but his foot is sticking out. Some of, <laughs> some of the old effects are pretty funny. I enjoy the show much more than some of the newer shows, though. Um, and then a guy who is posting, or I don't know, it could be a woman who's posting under the name of Lieutenant Commander Gary Mitchell says, as a reply, the force field is weaker at the very bottom so that um, food can be pushed in <laughs> without turning off the field. I had also just polished my boots, and the reflectivity helped. <laughs> Which is a you know what response. I love is that email to me is so typical of the best of fandom uh-huh. that you come up with some weird ass observation or question, and somebody comes up with a funny, clever, yet semi plausible <laughs> reason why it was that way. And it kind of reminds me of the time we were talking about. Um, in one episode, Kirk said he had three nephews, and right. then later he only had one. Yeah. And Wildcat's explanation was, it was a horrible <laughs> transporter accident. I remember. <laughs> Which is just as plausible as anything else they came up with. There were a few follow-up comments that I thought were really funny. On the foot thing. On the foot thing. Yes. So, um... After this comment about, I had just polished my boots, someone else replied and said, it would have helped a lot more if Starfleet had already switched to the miniskirt uniforms. Poor Gary, his story is doubly tragic. It's so true. And then... (laughs) Dead and didn't get to look up somebody's skirt. And then Lieutenant Commander Gary Mitchell replies, you're right, I hadn't thought of that. I'll have to work on my x-ray vision if I ever get out from under this rock. Okay, and then just a couple more, because it got so much funnier from oh, out there. Oh, it was wonderful. So somebody else, these are all different people who are replying. This person said, it's too bad about that big rock that smooshed you. <laughs> yeah, it smooshed. really is too bad. You know, your big mistake was not zapping Kirk with a lightning bolt and then crushing his head. <laughs> just trying to hit young, spryly Kirk with a big rock is way too slow. You know, I don't think you could hit old, spryly Kirk with a big rock and have it be totally affected and i do like the word spryly i love spryly it's really funny so then mitchell replies you know what they say hindsight is 2020 i just wish i hadn't put james r kirk on the headstone i'll never live it down (laughs) and then one final reply to end the thread just say you yanked it from an alternate universe they can't prove you didn't (laughs) you just got confused with the guy that built nomad roy kirk nomad made the same mistake so i wouldn't be too broken up about it if any fanboys make shit just hit them with a lightning bolt I think so. And that's always the solution, isn't it? Hit them with a lightning bolt? Pretty much. Especially the fanboys. Yeah. So that was so amusing. It, it was a wonderful thread. And speaking of James R. Kirk. <laughs> yes. Um, there's a, a, a trilogy of novels, Star Trek novels, called My Brother's Keeper. Oh, yeah. And it's about, about Kirk and Mitchell at the yes. Academy. And some of it's really good and some of it really sucks, which is <laughs> fairly typical of those novels. For the but at one point... The explanation for what the R stands for. Yeah. I don't think I ever told you this. 
wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. So they were attempting to explain the R that later turned into a T? Yeah. Lay it on me. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Racquetball. And apparently, I'm not remembering this clearly. It's been several years. Um, they had had a racquetball game where Mitchell beat him or whatever. His middle name was Racquetball, and so this was Gary's final taunt just before he was going to smoosh him with a big rock <laughs> was to that his middle name was Racquetball. So people who are listening, you can't see the expression on my face right now. <laughs> but it's good. My- <laughs> She's sort of like wiping her eyes like... My eyes were sort of bugging out there for a she little bit. She had to push him back in I had to face. push him back in. Uh, okay, I don't think I have anything to do <laughs> just wanted to share that because there have been so many interesting explanations of that that racquetball is about the lamest. <laughs> Captain James Racquetball Kirk. Yep. God. Anyway. Oh. So anyway, thanks, Trek BBSers, <laughs> for providing a really interesting and clever and entertaining thread we thoroughly enjoyed it. We uh, we loved your observations. We loved Lieutenant Commander Gary Mitchell's responses. It was very funny. It was exactly what very, we liked to funny. see. And the final news item on our list of items, right? This is the last this one. This is our news item. Is um, You might remember us on a previous show ranting a little about the new Trek movie that's um, supposed to be in production, although it's very, very early production. So It's the one that has the story by Rick Berman. Sorry. Sorry. So who knows if that's actually going to happen um, or not, because, you know, when they're in production, one never quite knows about it. But um, we were pissed off last time because they had announced um, Russell Mulcahy as the director, and he's a big hack, so we thought it would be bad. Bad enough the story was written by Rick Berman, but the director was um, even worse. But then, as if in response. As if. As if. Do you want to break okay. the good news? Um, now IMDb is saying that this movie will be directed by Nicholas Meyer. Yay! We like Nicholas Meyer. Well, we do and we don't. <laughs> I like him more than Russell Mulcahy. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I love Wrath of Khan. It is my favorite of the Trek mm-hmm. movies. I, I love what Meyer did with it. But he also directed, correct me if I'm wrong... Oh, now I have to look him up. All right. Okay, Um. the, the last one, the last one that counts... <laughs> Which is um, the one with the, the, the Klingons, their planets dying. He directed that one. Six? Yes. I liked Six. You know, I liked Six the first couple times I saw it, and now, for the past couple years, every time I see it, I like it less and less and less. Tell me why. I'd really like to know. Well, there are a couple things. You watch it, and... Somebody once said something on one of the the fanfic boards about if your characters have to act out of character for your story to work, there's something wrong with your story. Okay. There are a lot of instances of people acting out of character, and I can't decide. I I think it's a combination of Nimoy and Meyer. Because they wanted to tell this story. You know, Nimoy wanted to do a story that was sort of a reflection of some contemporary Mm -hmm. things, the end of the Cold War. And the more I see it, Kirk especially is not in character through a good 50% of that movie. And it makes it hard to watch. Hmm. I mean, there are parts of it, you know, that, that I really like, but 
the other day it came on TV, and, and you know, I, I picked it up in the middle, and it was starting with the scene where he invites the Klingons to dinner, so they have that dinner. Mm-hmm. And through the whole thing, he's playing it in this really hang-dog way. And I don't care what Kirk's personal feelings are. I don't think he would present that face hmm. to the Klingons. He's playing from a position of weakness there, and that's not his mm-hmm. style. No, that that's true. You know, I have to say, now I'm thinking that I don't really feel qualified to talk about this because it's been a long time since I've seen it. Well, I'm not qualified either, but you <laughs> didn't, it's not stopping me. Uh, okay. Um, Come back when you have your degree in cinema. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I think he just, I'm, I'm checking IMDb even as we speak, mm-hmm. and I believe um, he wrote the screenplay. I'm seeing if he actually directed that or not. Uh, yeah, he directed it. Okay. Just checking. Okay, but I believe Nimoy had a lot of input he into did. that story. He did the story right. for it. Um, but it does have that, that one scene that I really like. So I wonder whose idea that, that one was with when, when they're talking about what to do and Kirk says about the Klingons, let them die. I like that because it's so unexpected. Yeah. So I like that scene a lot. And, and I don't know who's responsible for it, but I like it. There are scenes I like. I like a lot of the scenes in Ruapentha. Mm-hmm. Yes, those are great. Yeah. Uh, um, I like... Some of the 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 the, the rescue scene, mm-hmm. or, you know, where they're coming to save the conference and stuff. But other people have um, have expressed a lot of discomfort with that "let them die" because they feel that's very unkirk-like. And I also know, and you're probably aware of this too, although you may have forgotten it. There have been long and very vehement discussions about that whole um, Spock getting the information out of Valeris. Oh yes, of with course. With what some people call the mind rape, yeah, and that Kirk orders him to do this, that uh-huh. it's done on the bridge in front of everybody else. And so there are things there that kind of give me pause as far as the characters are subordinate to the story, as I said, yeah. and I think they get lost. Mm. That's a but good especially point. sometimes watch from the, the beginning where he invites him to yeah. dinner till after the scene. You know what? We should get the movie and watch it and then mm-hmm. talk about it right after it so we can have it all yeah. fresh. I think yeah. that's what we should do because it has been a long time. And I think the last time I watched it, I was specifically watching the Ruapente stuff because I had just read a couple stories about mm-hmm. it and I wanted to kind of refresh my memory. So my memory of the rest of it is somewhat hazy. Um, and then I read a bunch of fanfics that were um, sort of around it other things that had happened in there right. which were kind of interesting. The novelization of that movie is kind of interesting, too. There's way more stuff in the novelization than there was in the movie. Yeah. Like, whole plots. Yeah. <laughs> whole other plots. Right. Uh, so that was kind of weird. But I know one of the other things that was pointed out to me, and um, I remember the first time I saw it, I thought this was weird, was remember there's a scene of, uh, it's an interior enterprise scene where Kirk or who's ever in charge at that point, it might mm-hmm. be Spock, is making some announcements. So we see some scenes of the crew listening, you know, stopping in the hall mm-hmm. as they always did. But there's one where they're all stacked up in these bunks. And remember, Kirk's quarters was really tiny and compact, and he had this little narrow bunk. Yeah. And a number of people kept saying, Nick Myers thinks the Enterprise is a submarine. Mm. And I, you know, every time I watch it now, I think of that, and I'm thinking, yeah, that is not at all typical of the crew quarters we saw. No, never. I mean, yeah. Oh, that, see, I, I had either not really noticed these things or noticed them and forgotten about them. I think Nick Meyer loves submarines because it's been pointed out before that a lot of Wrath of Khan is a submarine yeah, story. Yeah, of course. But I love Wrath of Khan because the people are in character and the new things we see, I feel, gives us more insight into the character. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel that some of what we see in Six is more jarring. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying thumbs down to Nick Meyer, but I'm just saying... Okay, do a good job like you did on Wrath of Khan. Well, it'll be, 
<laughs> It'll be interesting to see what he can do with a story by <clears throat> Rick Berman. Well, also, now that the powers that be know my feelings, <laughs> the next IMDb entry is going to say, directed by Nick Meyer, but not like Star Trek VI, yeah, more like Wrath of Khan. That would be good. Can I just say, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the, um, the IMDb information for this Star Trek thing, and it says, writing credits in alphabetical order. Rick Berman, story, not sorry. <laughs> Eric Gendrison, I don't know who this guy is. And then it has Gene Roddenberry as part of the writing credits. Does he always get a writing credit just because he was the creator of Star Trek? Isn't that weird? That is very weird. I never came across that before. Well, maybe he does to some... It's usually not a writing credit, yeah. though. But in fact, why would he get a credit at all? Because I was going to say, yes, he created the characters, but that was work for hire, so he doesn't own those characters, no, even. No, he doesn't. That's bizarro. So this other guy, who's part of the, the writing team here, has done only one thing of note, which is Band of Brothers, which was a, a miniseries on TV. Oh, and that got a lot of yeah, good reviews. Yeah, that was I really good. I never saw it. And I don't know what this other stuff is, so I don't know who this guy is. Um, but anyway, there you go. So let us know what your feelings are about Nick Meyer now being on board for yeah. this Star Trek in the beginning movie, and we don't know the beginning of what what it's going to be. We have no freaking idea because no. nobody's talking about it. Yeah, well, <sighs> so we'll see. But, you know, somebody else also pointed out that they think anybody can just <laughs> make an entry into IMDb and it's there. So this could all just be rumor mill. Yeah, Unlike... Know. George Takei being gay, which is now a fact. Which is now an actual fact. Um, what I really like about IMDb is, um, here's the note to this particular movie. It says, status is announced. It was updated in 2004, believe it or not. And then it says, note, since this project is categorized as being in production, the data is subject to change. Some data could be removed completely. <gasps> I'm astounded. <laughs> so basically anything that's up here is crap. I don't believe any of it. <laughs> so you go here if you feel the need to stare at the screen for a few minutes and read something. Maybe think a little about that might be cool. That's true. So you know, it would be really funny to keep checking this and seeing if like there's just a different director every day or every week. It's like rotating okay, list of people. Yeah. And then it could be me or you. Yeah. Right? You know, Spielberg or um George Lucas or or um Martin Scorsese. That's what I was just gonna say, I and mean, I couldn't pull pull up the name. Yeah. Just be all these different people. Yeah, Fellini. <laughs> Fellini, yeah. <laughs> Would you love to see oh a Fellini Trek movie? <laughs> <laughs> With a fat lady and a uh, midget. <laughs> wasn't that Way to Eden, actually? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, see, this is the only podcast where people will put Fellini and Star Trek together. And Yay! We put it in our minds. We, we, we set them on frappe, <laughs> the blender of our minds, and... You get the benefit of it. And what you comes get the out. benefit of it. Okay, we're going to take our standard musical break and uh, we're going to watch some TV and then come back and talk about it. All righty. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. A commercial? No way, dude. This is just to remind you. Email lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Website lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. We want to hear from you. Send us anything. Email, audio comments, pictures. You send it to us and we'll talk about it. This whole podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. 
tsfpn.com. Okay, no more hobbits. Right, and that's the new rule, because we just watched two episodes mm-hmm. of Boston Legal and had too much of the Hobbit. Way too much of the Hobbit. Even the Hobbit having sex on screen more than once. Yeah. It was icky. Yeah. Really pretty icky. Pretty icky. Ugh. Next they'll show us his hairy feet and we'll just oh, throw up. Oh, that would be so bad. And he combs his hair with a fork, you know? <laughs> just not good altogether. Okay, so just to catch you up, the two episodes we just watched were, let's see, the Halloween episode. Uh-huh. And the one before that, I'm trying to think what the cases were. We didn't Can't watch remember. any of the cases. Well, yeah, I'm trying to remember, though. Well, anyway, both these episodes, first of all, big criticism, did not have enough Denny Crane. Not nearly enough oh, Denny Crane. Oh, the one before that was the one where we saw Lori supposedly filing her, oh, her right. lawsuit for sexual harassment or harassment, however you're supposed to say it, and uh, Denny trying to apologize to yeah, her. Yeah, which is fairly amusing. It was Okay. But neither of them had enough of Denny, and I think we're really seeing that disjointed effect that we were talking about of trying to cut the new into the old, Mm -hmm. because that storyline with Lori was at the end of last season, and then all of a sudden it comes up now, and they're Mm -hmm. saying just last week you were talking about Judge Brown being a virgin, which was six, seven months ago. I know. And... It just sort of plopped in, mm-hmm. and then it ends with him going, wow, she really might sue. And then next episode, we don't see we it don't again. We don't see anything about it, no. And, you know, she's not there. She's not in any of the meetings. She's not in the office. She's mm-hmm. not walking around. It seems a little ridiculous yeah. to play at her still being there as one of the lawyers. And there were, there were some things in it that I found sort of unbelievable. I'm, I, and one that really, really struck me was the scene between Laurie and Denny where he was sincerely trying to apologize, mm-hmm. trying to do a good job. And she goes into this big confession <laughs> of, well, you know, I was a fatty as a kid and I'm not feeling too comfortable and everything. And I thought, you know, if you really were feeling you were sexually at odds with the office and this was the prime person you were yeah, playing it on, you would never confess any no. of this. That's ammunition to of them course. if you really feel you're being threatened by it. When you're in the middle of a lawsuit, you say, talk to my lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You don't talk to each other. Yeah. No, that was pretty stupid. Imagine unbelievable law on television. <gasps> when does that happen? Gasp. Never. Never. Gasp. I'm shocked. Shocked. Um... There were some really good things in these episodes, mm-hmm. but um, I'm really afraid there are certain things they're overplaying now, and maybe it's just because of the order they're putting episodes in and chopping things together, but as far as I'm concerned, they're overplaying the dress-up. Now, we've talked about Kirk and Spock liking to dress-up, which we saw maybe, what, <laughs> twice a season? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we just had Alan and Denny in costume in the Canadian courtroom. Uh-huh. Then, in the following episode, which you haven't seen yet, we have Denny dressed up as a Minuteman. Oh. Um, now, let's see. I, I don't think there was any dress-up in the Lori one, but then in the Halloween one, they're dressed up as flamingos. Mm-hmm. And I think they're they're overplaying that. You know, if we see it every now and then, but if it's a regular thing, it's like, who cares? Yeah, I think you're right. I think I would definitely agree with that assessment. Um, it was interesting that in the second episode, um, they had a fight. Denny and Alan mm-hmm. had a fight. And uh, I thought that was handled fairly realistically. It was. Yeah. And I, I especially thought the scene where Alan came into Denny's office trying on half of his Halloween costume and Denny just 
it wasn't playing it for laughs mm-hmm. at all. You know, I can't look at you. I don't want to speak to you. Go away. It was really well played. Mm-hmm. That was good because you were, weren't expecting it to be serious at all. No. And it was, it, he played it totally straight. So that was good. Which and is difficult to do with a man in a flamingo costume. This is true. <laughs> um, and I thought that um, Alan's attempts to reach um, some kind of forgiveness with him, that he continued to do it, and in a gentle way, and even though he kept getting rebuffed, he, he came back. Mm-hmm. seemed very realistic also. Mm-hmm. That was good. And I thought it was it was good, too, that neither one of them... Well, it it didn't come down to, I'm right and you're wrong. Mm-hmm. It came down to, we need to be able to talk about yeah. this. And whether you're talking about their friendship or you're talking about the war, or you're talking about whatever, I thought that was a good approach yeah. to take. Yeah. That they... Alan very much did not want that to polarize mm-hmm. them. No, I, I agree. Um, I have to say, in the very last scene, when Alan and Denny are standing out on the, the balcony in their flamingo costumes, mm-hmm. smoking their cigars and drinking their scotch, did you notice that there was a long shot when you could see the two of them standing there and then it cut to some close-ups? Mm-hmm. In the long shot, it wasn't Shatner in the costume. Oh, really? I didn't notice no, that. it wasn't. They had artfully put some... Um, fencing or something in between the camera mm-hmm. and the two of them and it was obscuring the guy who was supposed to be Shatner but it wasn't him. I wonder why. Probably because he doesn't look that good in a flamingo costume. <laughs> I don't think Could he, he look worse than he does in some other things? I, like I the think, hunter costume? I don't think he has the legs for it frankly. Well I don't think Spader does either. No. Neither of them really had the legs no, for a flamingo but, costume. No but you know I don't, I don't think it was Shatner. Maybe though maybe that was what was being filmed, but he was carted away with his kidney stone. <laughs> and be. they had to get a stand-in flamingo. That, that could be. That could be. I don't know. But anyway, I just mm. thought I would point that out to you. Wonders of television. I wasn't sure if you'd seen that. Okay, now I want to talk about something that I also think they may be overplaying unless they're going where I think they may be going. Uh-huh. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. We have had now three or four episodes. Smack dab in a row, uh-huh. pretty much. Maybe one didn't have this in it. Where Alan's being nice to Denny, and Denny says, I'm not going to sleep with you. <laughs> okay, the only punchline there can possibly be to that joke uh-huh. is for them to sleep together. And I think for the season closer. Really? Oh, there's an idea. Hmm. That would be I'm not saying I really want to see it because the idea of these chubettes <laughs> in bed together, although more appealing than the hobbit sex, uh-huh. still doesn't, you know, really do it for me. But, um... They're going. They're they're playing that so heavy. And when uh, when they were in the flamingo costumes <laughs> uh-huh, in that last uh-huh. scene, there was a point where Alan started to say something to Denny, and he moved in very close. And just the way he moved, the way he put his hand on it, I wish I could remember what he was saying. It was like he was coming on to him. Re- I mean, seriously, coming on to him. <sighs> How interesting. Well, they did a little bit of dialogue that. Maybe would play into that um, when mm-hmm. Alan and you Denny... look pretty in pink. <laughs> no, 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 that wasn't what I was thinking of. <laughs> but that's good. Um, when they're in a different scene, when they're outside in the fake patio furniture, <laughs> yes, and they're talking, and Alan's talking about how he misses Tara, mm. and um, yes. Denny says, "I've you know, I'd rather have a friend than a wife. I've been married five times. I should know." And that's the one I'm talking about. I had okay. it confused. When she, when Spader moves in to do yeah. his quote about Ralph Waldo Emerson. Yeah, he gets very close. It's like a come on. Yeah, it is. And and they're both, I mean, the, the subtext is definitely there, that they're mm-hmm. much happier with each other as friends. 
then either of them might be separately with a woman. Right. And and doesn't Alan say something like, um, when he says that quote from Emerson about how a, a, a friend is nature's greatest invention or something like that, he said, I never knew what that meant until I met you, yes. Danny. Yes. So, who knows? Who knows, but I'm just thinking, that, you know, if you're going to keep repeating it, there's got to be a punchline to I it. I don't know. And that's the one that occurs to me. Well, maybe Denny will adopt Alan as his son. Okay. Wouldn't, well, there was also the line about, uh, I've loved you like a sister. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe the, the goal is to find out how t- the two of them can end up together, and there could be several paths for that to happen. Yes, there could be. So be interesting um, to see. open to all these options. And now we know that they're all listening to our podcast, and they're going, damn, they figured it out. Oh, I know. Now we have to do something because else. Because we're so smart. I want to talk about one other thing. Oh, yes, please. Certain, sort of having to do with Boston Legal. And it's one of those strange things that occurred to me just sort of driving around, which mm-hmm. is when my mind wanders freely because all I have to do is watch for <laughs> red lights. Um, I was thinking about the impact of, of certain media things. Mm-hmm. Star Trek. Mm-hmm. The Beatles. Mm-hmm. And what I was thinking is the Beatles were a huge impact on, on all of culture. And we were all aware of it at that time. I mean, there was the screaming, there was the, ta- the, mm-hmm. the, the coverage, and there was, you know, the, the crazed fans. There was the whole thing. And so I think at the time, people were aware this is a big deal. And I think the Beatles are still culturally significant. Mm-hmm. But after they broke up, as individuals, I think their significance is still that they were in the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I think as individuals, they are not as relevant in their contributions, any of them. Right? Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. Okay, look at Star Trek. Star Trek, as a, as a, a, a phenomenon, mm-hmm. as a group of people, as a TV show, I think had as big an effect. But at the time when it was on, nobody knew it. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knew what kind of effect this was having until the cons really got mm-hmm. rolling. So Star Trek, again, had this huge effect. But once it was off, once they broke up, <laughs> I think as individuals, the people associated with it were no longer really relevant. Mm-hmm. In, their, in their chosen fields, acting, writing, mm-hmm. whatever... I don't think any of them made as big a contribution. Now, here's the the the, the here's, difference. Okay. Here's the point. Here of comes. This. Here comes. I think that is still true for the Beatles. Uh-huh. I think that is still true for Star Trek, uh-huh. with one exception. Yeah. William Shatner has managed to become relevant again. Hmm. I'm not saying that the contributions he's making now with his album and with Boston Legal mm-hmm. are as big as Star Trek. But he's no longer somebody you can brush away as, oh, yeah, he was in Star Trek, which you can do with everybody yeah. else. As, as gifted as I think some of those people are, mm-hmm. when they appear, when Nichelle Nichols goes somewhere to sing, she's Nichelle Nichols, mm-hmm. she's singing, but it's a novelty. It's let's go see Uhura sing. Yeah. And when Nimoy you know, does his photography thing, I think a lot of the audience goes, goes because it spots photography. Yeah. I think Shatner has... has has finally found another way of of doing what he does best and being mm-hmm. recognized for it. I think you're right. I'm, I I think that I agree with that. I think that's a good assessment of it. Um, 
as, as a side note about the Beatles, I wonder if John had lived, whether that would have been true for him as well. Be- it might have because been. Because out of, of the four of them, I think he, he had the most, as we've seen, he had the most potential mm-hmm. to actually reinvent himself and become relevant again after coming out of seclusion for so long and yes. having new things to say and, and new ideas. So it could have happened for him. It could have happened for him. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I'm I'm now mentally going through lists of other people who have been in other Star Treks and... I mean, Patrick Stewart was a famous actor before he really landed, I mean, in England mm-hmm. anyway. And he's done lots of stuff beside that, but he's not still a household name except as his Star Trek character, really. Mm-hmm. And out of the other ones, I mean, Will Wheaton has sort of reinvented himself, but only in a very, um, fairly limited circle. Mm-hmm. I think most people out of um, the internet fandom don't really know who he is, aside from him being on the show. You know, if... You spoke to people who were fans of his writing. I don't think there would be anybody who didn't know that he wasn't right part of Star Trek. And then for the other shows, I can't really think of anybody. It's like, eh, I mean, they've all done other things. Well, and think of anything. I mean, obviously, it didn't have the impact on the level of, let's say, the Beatles or Star Trek. But, like, Dallas was a huge, huge mm-hmm. craze. And certainly... Um, Larry Hagman had a career before that. I dream of Jeannie. Barbara Belgetti's had a had a wonderful career before that. And, but you know, Hagman's done a few minor roles since mm-hmm. then, and I don't think anybody else has done much of anything. So it 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 in a way is a curse to be part of a big hit. Yeah. But um, it's it was just interesting to me when I started thinking about that because the Beatles, you know, I was I was at the right age to be a Beatles fanatic when they, you know, first came to the U.S. and everything. So that was, you know, a big deal to me. And to think about that, that, you know, Paul McCartney is appearing, I don't know, this weekend in San Jose, and he was my favorite Beatle, and I could care less. <laughs> I could just care less. Uh-huh. And uh, so it just, I don't know, it just struck me as interesting that Shatner was the one who broke out of that mold. Yeah, well, he's... He has always worked. He He never... Retired, you never said, no, I'm not working anymore. But, 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 you know, he he was always out there plugging away. Yeah. I think part of it has to do with how much of the character of Kirk was really him. That, that he had invested so much of himself in that character. And that was what made the character compelling to a certain extent was because Shatner himself is a compelling sort of personality. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very take charge. He's very charismatic. Um, able to command attention and, and draw attention to himself, and he's continued to do that in other ways throughout his career, as himself and not mm-hmm. under the the shadow of Captain Kirk. By saying, it wasn't. Hmm, I'm not saying this in the right way. It wasn't that Captain Kirk made Shatner. It was Shatner who made Captain Kirk. I heard somebody once, and I can't think who it was. It was a TV actor who was in something that ran for a long mm-hmm. time. But he was talking. I thought this was really interesting. He said. Um, Whoever you think that character is when you start out in a TV show, Mm -hmm. after it runs for a very short time, you realize you are living that character Mm -hmm. for many, many hours of every single week while you're rehearsing and preparing and filming and everything. And he says you end up doing one of two things, either playing it very, very far from yourself. So you're playing like a a caricature, Mm kind of like, you know, Cliff the Postman on on Cheers. Mm -hmm. Or you play it very close to yourself Mm -hmm. because that's the easiest to slip into. And I only once was in a fairly long run of a play, but it was improv, Mm -hmm. a good part of it. And we all found that. 
that as it went on and on, we were playing more and more of ourselves mm-hmm. in it simply because that was going to be the easiest response to improvise mm-hmm. no matter what was thrown at you, was something that came right mm-hmm. out of yourself. And so I think that that's very interesting what you're saying about Shatner made Kirk. Do you know who said that? No. Shatner. No. It was. It was in, it was in one of the books. I distinctly remember oh that. Oh, God, no. I wasn't thinking it was him at all. Yeah, it was him. I'll have to dig up the books. And he said that. In, but it, somebody was asking him about mm-hmm. the grind of, of doing it, and that was his answer. Wow. I thought it was... <laughs> Damn. He's just he's just so on top of it. Bill, and you see, he's in my mind even when I don't he know is, if he's in my mind. Don't know his bear. That's yeah. so funny. But I, I agree. I think that that is a really true and fair assessment. And um, it's just... I think it's really cool to see the special stuff that's him coming out in, in these different ways and still continuing to be that compelling and charismatic guy mm-hmm. and, you know, commanding all the attention the way he is. It, it's funny when you say that. I'm thinking about Nimoy because what he had to do as Spock was to suppress so much of his own personality, which you see in the things with Shatner because mm-hmm. he's got a great sense of humor and he's right. very funny and, you know, very warm and like that and having to, to shut all that down in order to be Spock. And... I think other actors could have done that role, maybe not in the same way that he did, mm-hmm. but just as well as him, you know, to a certain extent. And it was really Spock who made Nimoy's what he is. Mm-hmm. If he hadn't had that role, he would have been a good actor. Yeah. But he never would have been the person that he was, is, Well, and I, of that. I think, too, you know, talking about shutting down the emotion, I know he talked about it in either I am not Spock or I am Spock, <laughs> one of them. Talked about the emotional toll uh-huh. that took on him yeah. to play that day after day after day, and that it put a, a a big strain on him. And I believe that was part of why he wrote "I Am Not Spock," mm-hmm. was to try to break from that. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering now. I'm thinking. You know, what if they had hired somebody else to be Kirk, like Who, Jeffrey Hunter? Well, you know, Jeffrey Hunter. Obviously, they weren't looking for that. No. Sort of actor, somebody who was mm-hmm. much more passive and intellectual. Who who else could they have hired who has the same kind of commanding commanding presence, presence and, and charisma and, and sex appeal and, and charm that? and hotness and charm and hotness? <laughs> I mean, who was around at that time who worked in television? Not a movie actor because they mm-hmm. couldn't have gotten somebody that didn't have the budget for it, right? Right. It would have been somebody who was on TV. Well, you know who they could have used, but it would have been a very different Kirk. Who? Gary Lockwood. Oh, that's true. Ooh, that but would have been interesting, but he's. He 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 does not have. He's got a very different brand of charisma. Yeah, I mean there there is a certain, um, a certain warmth to Shatner that I find lacking. Yeah. in Lockwood. I mean, think about all the like, the other actors who were playing leads on television at that time. Somebody mm-hmm. like Robert Vaughn. I mean, good actor and all that, mm-hmm. but not Captain Kirk. I mean, not yeah. the captain of a starship. You know. Um, uh, the guys on Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Yeah, Adam you know, West. Adam West. Other TV actors at the time. Fred McMurray, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who else could they really have gotten in that role? Unless it was just some unknown person. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think they would have hired an unknown because they needed somebody with a little bit of recognition. Right, and and Shatner was... He was well-known He television. was well-known, yeah. yeah. He, was, he wasn't, you know, a huge name. But he had also done movies and yeah. I I understand they they were kind of surprised when he agreed to to yeah. take this because he had kind of a movie career going. You know what's interesting to me is um prior to Star Trek in in movie auditions and and things like that 
Shatner was up against many, many times for the same role, mm-hmm. Paul Newman. Really? Oh. And it's really interesting to me to watch the Paul Newman movies from those periods. Mm-hmm. And you can, if you know Shatner, as we do, because we have <laughs> studied him for so long, you can kind of see where he would have played it. And you realize that in certain cases that would have been really wrong for him, mm-hmm. and in other cases it would have been outstanding. Yeah. Huh. How interesting. Well, I'm going to... Well, they you... are contemporaries. Yeah. And, and yeah. You know, they were both... You know, young lions of Hollywood yeah. coming up at the same time. Mm-hmm. I wonder. So, so here's a question for everybody who's listening: If you could play what if and say who else could have played Captain Kirk, who who would you pick? I'm really curious to know yeah. what people think. It would have been a different show and a, a different role, but who else could have been in that position? Who, who could have carried off a role like that of Captain Kirk as written? And you know, this is something I think people don't realize so much, but in writing series television. As you get to know your actors, you tend to write towards their strengths. Oh, sure. And so, like, the only reason we had a scene where Dr. Crusher and Data were tap dancing is because both those actors could dance. (laughs) Yes. You don't write a scene like that and then find out, oh, none of the people in this show can (laughs) tap dance, you know? And so, in the early episodes, you can almost say, yeah, there could have been other actors. Uh But as it goes further and further on, you know they're writing... To Shatner, and mm-hmm. they're writing to Nimoy, and they're writing to Kelly, you know. Definitely. And uh, and so then it becomes harder and harder to imagine somebody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. So I guess if you're going to play this game, you have to think of, like, the first maybe five episodes of the mm-hmm. first season and think about who could have, have been in that role. I'm not, I'm, like, drawing a blank on this. I'm not coming up with anybody that, that to me, seems like a really good candidate. I would have to start looking around at other contemporary shows that were on to see. You know who, who I don't think is like. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have wanted to see him play Kirk, but I find a many, many similarities with Shatner. Oh. Is Albert Finney? Ah. Because hmm. first of all, they were of a similar age, both devastatingly mm-hmm. handsome as young men. Neither one having aged particularly well, mm-hmm. but you watch. Most movies that Albert Finney's in, now and then, and you can see Shatner doing the roles. Yeah, that's true. I think that that's probably true. Here's another what if for our listeners, because it's one, it's a what if I really like to play much more than who else could have played Kirk, because really nobody. What other roles would you want to see him do? On TV or just in general? Anything. Well, we talked once about seeing him do Shakespeare again. Mm-hmm. I would love to see him do King Lear. Oh my God. I think that would be such a role for him. Because a lot of that is in the Denny Crane character. I mean, yes. the mad cow disease and everything like that. <laughs> it's true. You know? And so he's going to have, what, um, Laurie and, and, yeah. and Lake Bell and, and, and those people as his three daughters. Yeah. I think he would be brilliant in Lear. I really mm-hmm. do. He could do just a stellar job and bring so much yeah. to that. Because Lear has to be the center and the anchor of that whole play whenever he's on the stage and when he's off the stage everybody's talking about him because yep. that's what the whole yep. play is about and and you know Shatner could absolutely carry that off I think that would be a great role for him yeah either yep. either on stage or in a movie if somebody chose to film it you know what I would really love to see him play I would love to see him play Henry in The Lion in Winter. Mm, that would be And great. I had actually posted something about that to his bulletin uh-huh. board a couple of years ago and then right after that Patrick Stewart did it <laughs> and I'm going no no Patrick Stewart, 
he has passion, mm-hmm. but he has the British actor's passion, yeah. which is not well, as internalized. I was going to say he's not volatile enough. Yes, and oh man, I think Bill could just rip be... up the stage or the screen, whatever. Well, now you know what else that. that I think Bill would be great in. Speak on the Shakespeare thing. Mm-hmm. I think he would make a great Falstaff. Oh God, yes! Oh my God, in, in yes! In so many ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could be in in part one. He could be. You know the jolly fellow and the the debaucher and the yep. leading young hal into everything, but he could also play the tragic Falstaff at the end yes. when he realizes he's outlived his usefulness and he he can't play with his friend anymore and that part of his life is over. I think Bill would do a great job with that. I That's really do. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, because you know when you see Orson Welles do that role. You realize, you know, how much of himself he brings to it mm-hmm. because that's where he was in his career. Like he had seen all this stuff go by, and he had been the young guy and had identified with the Hal character, and now, you know, realizing his time is gone. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. That'd be great. I'd love to see him do some Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know whether the, I would have to think about other classic roles, mm-hmm. like of plays or or movies that have been done before. I always tend to think of him as an authority figure, but it would be interesting to see him not as an authority figure like Falstaff. Right. Well, and in a way, like you're saying, it's very similar to the Denny Crane. Denny is a former authority. Yeah. But um, not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting. Hmm. Well, listeners, these are some, some interesting what-ifs, and we would really love to hear what you have to say. That's right. And we'll pass them along to Mr. Shatner. <laughs> well, now that we know important people like IMDb listen to the yeah. podcast. We'll just put it out there. That's right. And so hopefully within the next year or so, we'll see Bill <laughs> doing Falstaff and uh, Lion in Winter and some of our other favorites. Or doing Julius Caesar and playing all the roles himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which would require him to stab himself in the back, but... He's done it before. <laughs> well, you know, really, especially for the Shakespeare, yes, I would love to see him, you know, play it, play oh. the whole thing, but even he could do recordings. Okay, so so the phone rang, so we have to wrap this up because our hookers are here. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That late. One of them's in a Captain Kirk uh-huh. outfit. I get the one in the gold shirt. You get the green uh, wrapper. All right, all right. What? Record what? What were you talking about? Oh, I was saying that even if Bill, you know, didn't want to do a full production or anything, uh-huh. he could do recordings of it. Oh, that's true. That, I'd listen to that. I mm-hmm. totally listen to that. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, those are our suggestions. We put them out there, and and if we could pass them along to Mr. Shatner, we would. Yeah, well, when I'm having lunch with him next week. Yeah, say, Bill, I have some ideas for you. (laughs) Have your people call my my people. people. So let's listen to some of that fabulous music from uh, Impulse. Okay. Because I love it so much.
To round out the show, because it's getting long again, because it always is. And because we want to eat our popcorn. And we want to finish popcorn. I'm really thirsty. Um, we were notified by one of our friends that the um, there's a fan page for Boston Legal that's at boston-legal.org, and they have a podcast where they do like a half an hour commentary on each episode, kind of like what we've been doing, but I think a little more serious, where they do episode summaries. And I want to point out, boston-legal.org. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it's part of the ABC website. This is no, it's a, separate. It's a, a fan, fan thing. thing. It's yeah, totally, okay. and it's great. They have all these pictures. Oh and yeah, lots and lots of stuff. And, and we, they get a lot of stuff from ABC. They do so, and we often go there for reference material, like when we need to figure out what the hell something is, or to look up interesting things, or to get video clips or screen caps. Mm-hmm. So we, we like them very much. So on the most recent podcast that they had up, and I'll put up a link to this, they had. Um, a woman as a guest on the show who was talking about some parallels between um, Star Trek and Boston Legal, obviously based around Shatner. And she brought up some interesting stuff, and some of it was not so interesting, and some of it was a little off the wall. And it was implied that this might be a regular feature on the Boston Legal podcast. So Website. Website. Well, Oh, do they do a, a it's podcast every podcast. week? Okay, yeah, all right. It's a real podcast. Okay. So what we're saying is we think it should be us. <laughs> and it, you think this too to put it bluntly so that's what I'm telling you all I think it's a good idea and so do you so <laughs> what we'd like you to do on our behalf is maybe visit the bostonlegal.org site maybe drop them an email to tell them about our podcast and how much time we spend talking about freaking Boston Legal <laughs> but don't say freaking <laughs> sure you can say freaking say fucking instead that's much better and, and that will get their attention and how much we know about William Shatner and Star Trek, because we are experts. We mm-hmm. have deep and thorough knowledge. Of and William we have Shatner. so many books like the Shatnerica and and, 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 and tapes of his early work and everything that, that we can draw on, as you have all heard. Really. And, and we can talk off the cuff about this stuff, too, because we just know it. Because so, we do a pat- podcast once a week that's totally off the cuff. Off. <laughs> so, so... So, listeners, on our behalf, if you could find the time in your schedule to just bop on over there and maybe drop them a quick email saying, you know what, listen to this other podcast and see what you think and, and maybe talk to us because we know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't confuse Surik and Sarek <laughs> like they did on that show. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. See, that's yeah. like a newbie mistake. Yeah. And we would never make a mistake like that. That's right. Okay. So that, that was my little rant at Okay. And, and and instruction homework as it were to our <laughs> listeners cuz we haven't given them any homework for a while. I know. And they've been pretty lameo on some of the homework <laughs> we have given them. Yeah, but the say. ones who do the homework That's do true. it really That's true. Well, we have to say the emails are great. Everything that we've been getting from the, people the 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 um the photos, the links you send us, everything has been just wonderful. And um I'm going to close uh, if if that's okay yeah. with um if I can grab this. Uh, oh, maybe it's not going to work right now. I wanted to um, read a piece of email that we had gotten 
from somebody else who did the battle cry thing? Oh, yes. Because we asked you, what is your battle cry? And somebody wrote to us and did tell us their battle cry. And here it is. So um, this is from Miranda. Thanks, Miranda, for sending this in. And this is her battle cry. Hark, who is that running over the desert? It is Miranda, hands clutching a burning branch. And with an ominous howl, her voice cometh. You in some shit now, muffa. I pillage faster than the superflu. <laughs> Man, we'd be scared, Miranda. <laughs> we'd be so scared, because we in some shit now. <laughs> Mofo. Mofo. <laughs> so, yo, turn that shit off. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to buy this record. Ain't nobody going to buy it. Maybe I'll play a little bit of that song at the end yes, of the show. What do you think about that? We've been singing this song pretty much all night. Yeah. Just because we both like it a lot. Because we both like it. So I think we'll close with a song. And, you know, you guys shouldn't read anything into it. It's just a funny song. It's okay. Like, I don't care about nothing, man. Roll another blunt. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna clean my room until I got high. <laughs> I was gonna get up and find the broom, but then I got high. My room is still messed up, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, cause I got high. Because I got high. I was gonna go to class before I got high. Come on, y'all. Check it out. Uh, I could have cheated and I could have passed, but I got high. Uh, uh, I'm taking it next semester and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, cause I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Uh, I was gonna go to work. But then I got high. Uh. <laughs> Ooh. I just got a new promotion, but I got high. Now I'm selling dope, <laughs> and I know why. Why, man? Hey, hey, cause I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. I was gonna go to court before I got high. I was gonna pay my child support. But then I got high. No, you wasn't. Uh. They took my whole paycheck. And I know why. Why, Because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. I wasn't going to run from the cops. But I was high. I'm serious, man. I was going to pull right over and stop. But I was high. Now I'm a paraplegic. And I know why. Because I got high, because I got high, la da 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 da. I was gonna pay my car note until I got high.